Welcome back to Made in Asia, the podcast. This is the second part of the fifth episode with the founder of Young Master Ale Brewery, Rohit Dugar. Okay. How about the preferences around beer types? Is that very different between the three markets or? I get asked that question a lot, but, you know, um, I, I kind of dismiss that idea. I don't think... Um, you know, and especially for us being in the craft business, we are not in the business of trying to find, uh, trying to sort of distill to a very simplistic lesson on, you know, people in Singapore drink this and let's mm. give them more of that. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it's similar to the notion a lot of, say, Western brewers had about Asia in general is that, you know, oh, Asians don't like bitter beer because, you know, the historical historical data shows you know bitter beers haven't sold here mm. but then you know people haven't been properly exposed to mm, those right beers. Type, yeah. so i feel like you know craft beer is about variety intrinsically uh, and we need to always do a wide variety of styles and there will always be something for uh, a certain mood or a certain occasion or a certain palette at that time so i wouldn't generalize a whole people by saying they like a certain kind of beer what I would say is that, you know, we need to uh, kind of, uh, if we really truly want to be kind of uh, sort of enmeshed in, in local um, sort of fabric, um, as well as we've managed to do in Hong Kong, we need to work with a lot of other local brands and kind of uh, take inspiration from local food and drinks. Uh, so that constant experimentation needs to happen. But the goal of that experimentation is not necessarily to uh, to come to a simplistic definition of what people there like. Right. And I do think this will always be an evolving process as well. Even if for a few years, you know, let's say a certain beer style sells a lot, I don't necessarily think that's uh, forever. Mm. Uh, so uh, what should be forever is the spirit of experimentation, not a certain product. So at what point are you going to make Singapore... like? The Cha San Teng here is uh, very Hong yeah. Kong. Uh, yeah. Most of the beers are very true to Hong Kong. Yeah. Have you started making beers that are, I mean, Laksa is maybe not the best example, yeah. but you know, when no, we've, we... Yeah, we've, we've done a number of them uh, already. Uh, they've mostly been experimental one batch kind of beers. We've, you know, we've made kind of uh, uh, sort of Tetaric beer or sort of teen inspired beers. We've made Pandan beers and We've done a wide variety of ingredient-driven uh, beers. We've collaborated with local cocktail bars. For example, Native, uh, which is kind of one of the world's top cocktail bars and, and is all about kind of uh, sustainability and zero waste. Uh, so we collaborated with them to make a beer with uh, husk of, uh, of cacao, uh, things that are normally thrown away but actually have a lot of flavor and cascara, mm. which is kind of the outer skin of uh, coffee beans. So we made a stout with all of these uh, sort of uh, the outer skin and we call that beer thick skin. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, those are the kinds of things we've been doing. Uh, we obviously started a few years af after Hong Kong, but, you know, we, we intend to do more and more. Okay. Um, and it's, you know, at least in these markets, I would say we can't obviously do this everywhere in every market. But for the time being, for the near future, uh, we see sort of uh, 
Southeast within Southeast Asia, certainly Singapore is a core market, uh, and around here, uh, Southern China is 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 something we are very focused on, and we'll do more and more there as well. That's very localized. Mm. Whether some of these projects lead to a widely distributed beer or not is not necess- necessarily the goal. It may be a consequence, but. Uh, uh, but the goal is to just experiment a lot and do a lot of new things. Yeah, sounds like you're having a lot of fun. Yeah, and basically. Playing around and, yes. and seeing what sticks. Okay, that's always good to have, right? You're not yeah. you're your own master, I guess, in that way. You don't have to, I mean, at the end of the year, you need to yeah, I make mean, a profit. But at the end of the day, it's more for the passion of it. That's why you started this, right? Uh, no, it's both. And we are a craft business, mm. right? So, I mean, if we lose that, we, we will stop being a craft business. Selling out, yeah. And... Uh, Okay, I mean, if we were 10,000 times bigger than we are, probably we would be forced to do that. But, you know, we have a long way to go. Mm. So until then, you know, this is uh, this is what differentiates us from the big companies. We can't match them with, in you know, in financial muscle and resources. Oh, scale, yeah. What but, do you see yourself producing in Singapore, Shenzhen or in Marker? Is that still a bit yeah. too far to... I think not, not so soon. Yeah. I don't see the need quite yet. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's something we keep an open mind about. Uh, I can see sort of Greater Bay Area, Southern China, probably more likely than Southeast Asia production hmm. uh, or sooner anyway, but um, but not in kind of the near foreseeable future. Right. Let's talk about your collabs. As you mentioned, yeah. uh, you've done a lot of those yeah. in, in restaurants and in, in pop-ups or, yeah. or events like that you go with a bar you go with a i think you yeah. did cookie department as well was yes it? was that from the beginning or people were interested and you just have an idea and you want to check yeah. it out see what's happening where the, the very first one we did was i think there's this concept we always had in mind that you know we want to be part of the community uh, and we want to contribute to it we want to learn from it uh, and and that's how we kind of become a part of a society's fabric. Uh, that was kind of the big picture thought we always had. But the first one was Mandarin Oriental. Mm. Uh, we did a beer called Captain's Bar Beer with them, which is served exclusively at the Captain's Bar. Uh, we've been doing that for, you know, almost six years now, actually. Um, and, you know, we started to do more and more with uh, other top hotels, with the Shangri-La Group, for instance, uh, with... Uh, as news Murray Hotel in St. Regis, uh, a lot of these kind of higher-end hotels want a bespoke experience, so that became kind of uh, its own thing mm. that, you know, let's create something bespoke for sort of your high-end clientele. That's mostly bottled or also on draft? Uh, both, both. Oh, so, okay. well, it's certain things are only bottled, but uh, the Captain's Bar is draft only. Uh, Shangri-La is both draft and bottles. But Marie Hotel is bottle only, so it's a yeah. It depends on the specific uh, situation. Um, then we did a lot of. Uh, we also do. Uh, it's common in the craft beer industry to collaborate with other craft breweries. That we constantly do all over the world. Uh, we're fortunate to be part of this circuit of like you know edgy cool craft breweries that we respect a lot from everywhere. That we do projects together. Uh, this year, it slowed down a bit because, you know, nobody has been able to travel, although we did do a couple of virtual collabs. Um, but, um, you know, uh, then we started to do a lot of local brands. Uh, this year, we collaborated with uh, with the with Hong Kong Tramways, and we did a couple of beers okay. called the Ding Ding series of beers. 
that was sold in Circle K convenience stores and we kind of developed a flavor together with them. Uh, we've collaborated with sort of hot pot chains. We've collaborated with, um, you know, all, all kinds of brands where we, there's, where, where there's mutual respect and, mm. and kind of creatively we get along. And, and what's the process if somebody wants to have their own beer? Maybe even for a birthday, right? You say like, it's my, maybe not the 20th, but the 50th yeah. birthday. And uh, do you do that, that as well? That not really. We, we may have done that like years ago, but I think usually like, you know, there are batch size constraints, like, you know, um, a whole sort of batch, even our smaller batch would be too big for, okay. for like an individual Where does party that start? Or like, like that. 2,000? Around 1,000 liters, 1, liters, which is about 3,000 bottles or cans. Okay. Uh, that's sort of it's the smallest yeah yeah, okay. yeah and you know what we've we've done that too like it, it was um somebody's uh um you know i forget it was 30th or 40th birthday and and they actually commissioned us to do like a whole barrel of really special barrel aged beer uh and that was hand bottled in these champagne beautiful champagne bottles with the wow. wax and uh, and and those beers are designed for aging, so they could keep oh. it in their cellar for a long time. Mm. Um, so yeah, that that was a fun project. But and speaking of the aging, so your wood yeah. barrel aging program is pretty um, pretty well established by now, and you also have the uh, the oak fodder. Yeah. So that's something quite unique, even in craft brewing. No, I mean. Yeah, you know. certainly in this part of the world. Uh, I mean, uh, we started to do barrel aging uh, pretty much from day one. Uh, back then, you know, day one, along with the brewery, even though we had limited resources, I, I thought, you know, we should at least do some barrel aging. So I bought eight barrels. It was literally eight whiskey barrels, uh, bourbon barrels. They're still around or uh, do you have to replace them? After? Uh, we do replace them. Okay. Uh, depending on the beer, we can use them anywhere between one to three times. Okay. And then we kind of uh, discard them. Um, so, yeah, so we started that from day one. We made a rye wine, which is a strong rye beer. Um, and then we kept going and now we have uh, probably Asia's biggest barrel aging program in the craft beer world. Uh, the Oak Fooder was a, a new addition. Well, now it's not so new anymore. It started in 2016 when we built our second brewery. Uh, and it's a 4,000 liter fooder that we use to make mixed fermentation beers, which means beers fermented with wild yeast from the atmosphere, almost a sourdough-like concept. Mm. And these beers take a long time to age and mature and develop their complex, sour, funky flavors. They have like a wine-like quality to them. Uh, and then, so so we make this base beer and then we make extensions by aging them further in say white wine or red wine barrels, sometimes wow. adding fruits to them. But these are all very small batches uh, that are made, you know, with a very manual, expensive process. Uh, and we release them a few times a year and they're sought after in sort of the beer geek community. Mm. So what's a good way? If anybody's thirsty listening, they're like, I want to get my young master brew. Obviously very tasty. What uh, What's the best way? You have a website? Uh, we, you should come to yes. Alvi's? Where, where can so, you? So yeah, if you're based in Hong Kong, there are plenty of ways, obviously, where uh, today that you can find a beers. Obviously, you know, while we are in the middle of uh, the pandemic, uh, bars and restaurants are probably, even though we're, you know, all open until 6 p.m. and then after that takeaway, that's a little bit less of an option. Uh, 
people can buy from our website obviously we do home deliveries that has been a you know that has really taken off this year as well people are enjoying beers at home um you know there are a number of other e-commerce websites where we sell our beers supermarkets like jason's marketplace uh etc carry our beers specialty uh craft beer bottle shops carry our beers as well so in hong kong there are plenty of channels where uh uh you know our beers are available but of course the full range is is if you is only available on our website uh, all right. you ship globally or uh so shipping wise um you know we've been deliberate and careful about this for the first four years of our existing or three and a half years we focus only in hong kong then we opened our singapore office and we decided not to work with the distributor and do it entirely ourselves so we can control the quality control the supply chain control the range and we do the same in mainland china as well we self distribute all our beers um more recently uh, we've uh, we've kind of uh, uh, sort of launched in a few other markets some in a soft way like uh, very recently and and this is something we, we kind of haven't even very broadly announced uh, we've launched in the us uh, this is something we've we've been working on for like the past year or so we signed up with a distributor we have a lot of respect for and we designed two specific beers just for the US they're available here on draft but not yet in bottles and cans uh, obviously US is dealing with uh, with its own very serious pandemic issues uh, so you know we just wanted to send our beers and hopefully some of the people who follow us have access to them but uh, when things become more normal we hope to do more there as well uh beyond that uh we we distribute regularly in malaysia uh we semi regularly send beers to australia uh and and we participate uh, in at least a pre covid era in lot of events and pop ups all over the world mm. um potentially we might launch in one or two markets next year as well okay and festivals was always a big part of the same yes. events right so there's Jimmy. craft brew events and Yeah. You're always there. I mean, so at the at kind of the highest ends of global craft beer, the festival circuit has become a huge part of the scene. It's uh it's where kind of uh, uh if you're really sort of a, a craft beer follower, you kind of go to this circuit of festivals. Um and there are, you know, really cool festivals in the US, in Europe, uh in Japan, uh you know, all over the world really now. Uh, and and a lot of these are by invitation only okay. so breweries are invited to come showcase their beers at these festivals we're fortunate to get invited to a lot of a lot of the best ones as well uh in most of them we are usually the only asian brewery hopefully that number grows in coming years uh asian scene is still kind of nascent um but you know uh it's a place to enjoy so sort of the most cutting edge really cool interesting beers that mm. everybody has brought and usually you all the brewers bring kind of their edgy coolest beers they tend not to bring uh, or they might bring one or two of their staples but generally they bring kind of uh, the most bizarre and interesting okay. uh, geekiness that comes yeah. through and it's talk about competition because in craft brew scene it's a very Like it's a community vibe right yeah. it's not um, i guess you have the brewers the big ones that you have yeah. to you know defend yourself against yes. so there, there's enough competition out there Absolutely. but then the craft crew is very very um so yeah know, like not buddy buddy but you kind yeah. of yeah, yeah. and uh, how does that work in hong kong you said that it's still yeah. nascent i mean it's come around in the rest of asia where where are things trending around that then? 
Yeah, so I think uh, uh, big picture, it's certainly true that it's, uh, I mean, our competition is the big beer companies. Our competition is, uh, I mean, it's, even though we've come a long way, it's still education is kind of the biggest hurdle we face. How do we get more people exposed to the idea of craft beer, get them to even try? That's kind at of a premium hurdle. price too, right? I mean, uh, at, a, at a somewhat premium price, but, you know, I think uh, it's, it, it is definitely a premium price, but it is ultimately beer and it's not you know we're not talking about luxury pricing right it's you you know when you're comparing it to kind of uh wine or cocktails or any of those other categories uh it's sort of a very affordable luxury if even if you want to use the word Mm. uh so i think end consumer price i actually don't think the difference is that much of a deal breaker uh it is sort of the middlemen that they're more of the challenges uh, and it's less a price point issue and more like you know the marketing dollars and all of the exclusive contracts that you talk about uh, those are very hard to kind of compete against uh, and we can only differentiate ourselves on a our product uh, and uh, and ultimately I think uh, people speak with their wallets and and we hope that more and more of these middlemen learn that there is so much and demand out there in more places uh, make craft beer available. That is really kind of the uh, the path we need to kind of uh, continue to so find. So more craft brewers will have more awareness and more Absolutely. exposure and Absolutely, lift yes. everybody's yeah. boat, basically. I mean, I, I think, so if you take the U.S. example, maybe today U.S. has reached a stage where craft brewers truly are competing against each other as well. Sure. But we are far from that uh, in this part of the world. Mm. Yeah, and and uh, as you say, the beer awareness is still very much with the with the large brewers, for better or worse, right? I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they have the marketing dollars, and you know, yeah, sponsorship everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, talk about uh, women in craft brewing. I yes. know you have your uh, barrel aging program yeah. manager, uh, yeah. Jessica Lee, right? Is it? Yes. Um, but otherwise, it's mostly guys. What's uh, is yeah? It, is it true? I mean, or is that just my uh, no, I mean, uh, I think women in brewing, um, in modern brewing, uh, I think it's um, it's definitely a, a, something the industry needs to do a lot more uh, work on. Our team broadly is, you know, fairly even uh, gender-wise, but specifically the production team, as you pointed out, uh, is more men than women. Uh, Jessica Lee, uh, you know, is an example. She went from uh, managing the barrel aging program to getting promoted to managing overall production process and, and scheduling, which is a complicated job. Um, Hong Kong has uh, something called the Pink Boot Society. Mm. And a lot of the young master women, uh, women working for young master are kind of a big part of that and very active in, in that society, trying to, uh, you know, do lots of events to raise money for scholarships for women to study brewing uh, to kind of, uh, uh, you know, sort of educate and, and sort of fight a lot of stereotypes that uh, the broader food and beverage industry has as well. Like, you know, uh, oftentimes when we go to a new bar restaurant, try to sell them beer, for instance, and we get sort of sexist remarks back, is this beer suitable for men or women? Like it's, you know, so we have to kind of, uh, and there are, and a lot of the industry has this notion that, you know, certain beers are quote unquote girly, 
uh, or lighter or you know if if it's like a floral fruitier flavor it's for women but we find that not to be true at all uh, okay. in when we look at the end consumers when we do tastings uh, there is no gender in fact if anything you know women who are craft beer drinkers tend to be more adventurous uh, so i think uh, there's a lot of work to be done at many different levels at the consumer level at sort of the industry level of kind of education and and so sort of, uh, helping break these stereotypes and um, you know hiring wise i think on the one hand we are very fortunate uh, I, i think we have uh, a lot of uh, female representation in our company but i think on the production side we need to do more to sure. kind of find more women who are interested in working uh, on the brewery floor so you mentioned you worked with professional brewers before is that the better way not the better way but is that the how is it, as a career choice that would be the way to go you study brewing or do you join a, a big brewer or you do it at home or you join somebody like your master's a craft I think brewer or what's a good choice on who you are and and what setup you have but i think uh, if you're starting out let's say you want to start a commercial brewery and you don't have that experience in your team I think it's absolutely essential to have somebody like that in uh, on board to uh because it's not just about experimentation brewing is half art and half science that's how we see it uh you know it's you can have the best most interesting ideas uh for instance as a home brewer but uh you need to understand technical execution uh and and that's that's uh, you know that's a very specialized skill set So you need to acquire that, um, and if you don't have it, either have somebody uh, on the team with that experience, or institutionally slowly build it. Uh, I think that's that's kind of how we did it. Uh, you know, uh, Uli uh, had decades of uh, you know commercial brewing experience. He went through gym brewing apprenticeship program, uh, and that experience was necessary to for us to make consistently mm. high quality beer. you take in apprentices or you offer that um, something like that yeah so i mean uh, certainly not in in a way that's as structured as germany has a very structured apprenticeship program it's not quite like that but yes we are open to you know people coming in uh we have actually this year we had two interns from uh uh you know guys who used to be actually hong kong based but they are studying overseas in brewing school and coming back for the summer programs and and interning with us so so in that sense we we do okay so that option good okay so um also mindful of time when we look ahead yeah. for the next 10 years uh what do you think will change your craft brewing industry the most i mean what what do you see well not as a disruption but you know what's something you'll be you're thinking about uh in this in the slow burner lane sort of like what what changes coming that you're i i think um i i think th- there's probably a broader definition of craft drinks uh i mean i feel like there is uh still sort of silos of like you know craft beer is one thing craft cocktails is another thing craft spirits natural wines and so on there is a lot of opportunity to create completely new things from first principles mm. uh, that may have characteristics of one or more of these categories um so i think uh 
more experimentation or period of time could lead to s- some breakthroughs uh, ultimately you know there is a certain purpose why people want to enjoy a certain beverage um and um and it doesn't need to be limited by sort of these uh false boundaries mm. so i think that 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 is something we think about uh quite a lot and and this is not something you know that happens overnight uh but uh but i think having generally an open mind about what's uh you know what people want to enjoy and what brings people together and you know that's uh, uh and also kind of an asian uh angle to it all like you know we don't have to do things uh the way they're or we don't only have to do things the way they're necessarily done in the west or elsewhere mm. uh we can have our own version of uh of things in our own culture of drinking our own kinds of venues um you know so so i think that's that's sort of uh how we want to position ourselves and keep innovation as sort of the central thing of, of what we do yeah and that's that is part of the craft brew i guess yeah. um I didn't. You also do a cider. I saw earlier. So how does that? So fit actually, into? we haven't done a cider. Okay. I mean, we have a cider here, for is instance, at Alvis. Okay. That is actually locally fermented, but okay. it's not uh, from us. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we are open to all of those things. I mean, we've hesitated to do cider here, uh, partly because you know uh, the fruit is not grown near here, so we kind of want to be uh, if it's if it's uh, such a, f- a fruit. added to beer is one thing but um that if it is kind of the only fermentable we hesitate to do it in a place that it doesn't we think that belongs next closer to the farm right and so your ingredients you said you have american hops right yeah. you have australian so hops so we have hops from all over the world but heavily american hops some australian hops some european as well but a lot of american hops uh we have european malt for the most part um and you know yeast we kind of grow ourselves or buy from some labs okay. uh and um you know we use local water uh i think beer in that sense is uh, i mean i talked about blurring of boundaries but i'll go back to boundaries now uh beer one way is fundamentally different from say wine is is that it is made with uh dried ingredients and actually as a brewer uh we have as a craft brewer we have access to exactly the same ingredients in exactly the same condition as somebody in Europe or the US and vice versa um of course assuming they choose to buy the good ingredients um and and brewing is done year round it is not linked to a harvest seasonal yeah. uh that you know wine uh, grape harvest is a certain time and and you make wine once a year kind of thing so So in that sense it's like a constant process uh and therefore the localization is a bit less about ingredients of course it can be a, as well if you're say in New York state and you want to use local rye and local New York state grown hops for instance uh you can do that but uh it's not really about that because mm. you're dealing with dried uh ingredients anyway okay but the water is the local water so yes. hong kong water is pretty um has a lot of uh It's very hard water, right? As you say. Uh, no, it's totally the opposite. It's actually uh, we we do lab tests on it all the time. Hong Kong water is uh, is actually extremely low mineral content water. Yeah. It's almost 
zero. It's it's actually very close to pure H2O. Because it's all um, rain water runoff on the island. Yeah, and, right? and then it's purified and, okay. and then it's it's basically what you get is fairly clean. Now, what happens in some old buildings, uh, and that's like a kind of a last mile issue that there there's old piping and you might get some kind of pollutants from the line itself, which are easily processed. I mean, we're fortunate in our building, we get very clean water. Um, so I think, but the important thing is that by itself, that is not necessarily good or a bad thing. Um, it is really certain flavor profiles are ex, uh, are kind of helped by uh, minerals in water. So, for instance, if you have like a sweeter, maltier, richer beer, like a heavy stout, you want more sodium. Mm. You want a bit of alkalinity in it. Uh, but those things we can adjust. It's much easier and lower cost for us to do it. If the water starts with a blank slate, it's easy to add things. Then it would be to completely remove everything and re-add everything. Right. So we can get water that mimics the certain ancient beer styles evolved because of the kind of water uh, in that place. For instance, you know, in, in the UK, it's a darker, maltier mm. st- styles. So if evolved because of the mineral content and similarly, you know, Czech Pilsner or German lagers, yeah. uh, so the higher sulfate content or generally low mineral content suited those styles. Uh, but we can mimic water from anywhere in the world basically by adding those and adjusting those minerals. Okay. All right. Great. Um, right. We're almost up on time. Yeah. Tell me, how do you kick back when you're not, I mean, is it, uh, do you have a beer or you drink a wine or do you watch a movie or obviously now it's COVID, not too much can do, you have a family, right? So yes, how, do you, uh, family, how do you switch off or get away from kids, it all? Uh, spending time with kids, playing with them. For yeah, how sure. old are they? Uh, four and six. Four and six, okay. So yeah, that's kind of Keeps a big, busy. big part of, uh, you know, what we, what I end up doing in free time. But, you know, beer is still a big part of uh, relaxation as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I drink wine. I drink all the other things too. But you know, see what's out there, yeah. right? Do you travel much anywhere? Not doing COVID well, <laughs> days, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Uh, I think um, in the first few years of uh, of starting Young Master, there wasn't a lot of travel. But uh, in recent years, there was a lot more. Obviously, the global festival circuit was one, uh, and you know, frequent trips to Singapore and Shenzhen, Guangzhou, Shanghai as well. Uh, so yeah, yeah, getting yeah. across the border is yeah. becoming easier, right? Hop on the train. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Where's your shop in Shenzhen? Uh, so in Shenzhen, uh, sort of the bar that we open is currently closed. Okay. Boon we are hoping to reopen it, you know, hopefully after Chinese New Year next year, something okay. like that. We don't have a firm. As COVID comes and goes, yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Looking forward to that. I might have to go to Shenzhen as well, but uh, yeah, yeah, we're not. It's not so easy right now. Maybe Macau would be on the radar too? Yeah, I mean, we send beer there. Macau is straightforward. We've yeah. not, uh, I'll be honest, we've not paid a lot of active attention there, but we probably will. Plenty of casinos uh, that meet beer, I'm sure. You know? Well, actually, you know what? We, we thought that too, but I think the casinos there are, they're different from Vegas. There's a lot less drinking. There's mm. a lot of tea drinking, a lot of very serious gaming going on. But having said that, you know, there's, there's still sort of fun parts of the city. And Obviously, before we close, we got to talk about this drink and drive. Do you make a non-alcohol beer? Is that like... We, a- we made it uh, as a... So, I mean, that's a whole technical discussion on... Uh, first of all, we would only make it if we can 
deliver a similar flavor experience as we do in our alcoholic beers, which mm. is uh, easier said than done. And there are ways to do it. There are uh, biological methods that we like or industrial methods like yeast that doesn't produce alcohol. So we do the fermentation process. Uh, industrial processes basically make a regular beer and through kind of uh, high temperature treatment, basically remove the alcohol, mm. which also strips away a lot of the flavor, flavor compounds. Yeah. So that's not what we would ever do. Uh, so we've done it once as a one-off, uh, and we'll probably do it again. Uh, well, we'll, we have to decide we are going to do it in January again as like a dry January thing. So yeah, we're kind of experimenting with it. Okay. Uh, we have not uh, done it as a broad release in bottles and cans, but, but yeah, you know, why okay. not? Innovation always at the fore. Uh, youngmasterales.com, right, is the website? Yes, that is correct. Youngmasterales.com. You're on Instagram as well? Yes, youngmasterales. Youngmasterales, uh, the IG handle. So um, we're up on time. Yeah. Uh, the restaurant is still busy. Delivery is happening. You hear the ding, ding. That's always when <laughs> it's having a smile because uh, it's working. So... Uh, Fantastic. No, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was really fun. Good to learn about beer. Obviously, I bring a bit of uh, understanding with it here and there. I had maybe two beers before I came here. Not today. Um, But yeah, this is great. Uh, Young Master is definitely a beer. um, Keeps innovating, keeps it creative, keeps it fun. I think that's the best part. Um, It's playful and uh, it's delicious. So thanks for this episode, guys. We're um, here at Alvis. This was was really a treat. I think... um, a great great way to uh, get into the Christmas season holidays are coming up so Merry Christmas from uh, Alvis and see you next time Merry Christmas All right, Merry thank Christmas you. and cheers cheers alright thank you Rohit. thank you cheers thank you this is the end of the second part of our fifth episode with Rohit Dugar founder of Young Master Eels Brewery you can find his website youngmasterales.com Dot com, or similarly find his Instagram Young Master Eels. To follow us at Made in Asia pod, the podcast, go to our website made-in.asia or find us on Instagram Made in Asia the podcast or simply follow us either on YouTube or on one of our Google or Apple podcast channels. Similarly, we're available on Spotify. In the meantime, Merry Christmas and we'll catch you in 2021.